What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Dad's Game Podcast. This is Awesome Hazelnuts here. And today we're going to have a special episode. This is a deck in which I've been playing for about 2 weeks, maybe even 3, ever since the brand new expansion was released. And with the, the changes that Riot has done to this card, it's no surprise that this one specific champion, or this entire region as a whole, has become a mainstay here. And, no more, and not to mention about a week or two ago, they released the uh, Ruination event, which was the Sentinels of Light. And there came about a brand new champion to the ecosystem of Riot Games, which is Akshan. And so, this new region has been released for a couple of expansions already. Shurima is a brand new, brand new region that came out after Targon. In the beginning, Shurima wasn't really that enticing to say the least because a lot of comparisons were made with Shurima and Targon. And then Targon was having a tear all over the region. It was played in Demacia Targon, it was mainly played in Zoe Kama, Zoe Lee, some form of the early versions of Trundle Aesol. Yeah, maybe even Nightfall Aggro. I can go on the list on and on about Targon and how it has become such a powerful value engine. The biggest impact that Targon always had all over the entire expansion or over an entire game was when Targon is paired together with Twisted Fate. Maybe even Veiled Temple which is actually breathed life into the mid-range Targon kind of deck. The biggest problem I always had with Aphelios or even that Targon Twisted Fate deck was that it never ran out of cards. They could always have a 6, six minion or even a landmark field together with 9 cards in hand. They were never ever running out of cards unless they decked out themselves. They have many ways to win a game through the Great Beyond. Sometimes they even run Atrocity together with the Great Beyond. And the whole part of playing Targon together with Bilgewater, which was the Aphelios Twister Fate, or even Zoe Aphelios or Zoe Twister Fate, was that the deck could easily beat anyone at any state of the game. No way can such a deck be able to exist in the game without some repercussions. Unfortunately, the deck only lasted for a month before it got hit. Comparing Targon with Bilgewater with the other tier 1 decks such as Z- uh, Kama, Kama Lux against Ephemeral Midrange against Heimavai Ezreal Kama. It was really a very big difference. And so when Shurima came out about two regions ago, which was starting sometime in March, or is it even May? I think it's March. Yeah, when, when uh, Shurima was released, I was one of the few people that were saying that Shurima actually had a couple of good cuts, namely Quicksand and Azir. But then Quicksand slowly became the sort of card which no one even played. Azir was originally meant to be played as part of the Emperor's deck kind of a Shurima deck. In fact, the identity of Shurima was actually meant to be played as an Emperor's deck where the player could actually level up Azir to the final form. And when you think about it, Azir, Nessus, and Renekton really reminds me of the three Egyptian god cards from the Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monster days. With Azir's level 3 becoming you having the ability to turn your deck into the Emperor's deck, it was no surprise that a lot of players were actually thinking of playing the deck in a certain way. But it all came to an end when people realized that Azir was much better being played in a token kind of attack function. And so that came about the Tamasya Shurima deck, which was the very first version in which the power of Azir was seen. Shapestone was a card which was rarely played outside of the deck. And people started to realize that 
you know, Shurima seems to be a pretty good paired champion together, being like a supportive region that Targon originally was. But then slowly, 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 people start to realize that Shurima actually contained a couple of very powerful cards when slowly things were started being released. And that slowly became the dominance of Nasu's Trash. I, we, I can always say that the Shadow Owls package has always been fine. But with the introduction of Shurima with Merciless Hunter, with crazy cards like Right on Negation which even exists in the game, Nasu's Trash took, took a very strong foothold all over the meta game because Nasu's Trash is amazing against aggro decks, it can outpace mid-range decks, and against other control decks if they don't run harsh, Nasus just eats them alive, and together with Atrocity, that really meant that Riot had a way to... Riot actually had to find a way to make the Atrocity not a super powerful kind of uh, late game insurance policy. And I've always been a very big advocate, or a very big critic of Atrocity being even being in the game, because I don't like the idea of having a card which can just deal damage from Nexus without you interacting much. I didn't know that Nasus Trash takes a bit of skill, but you know what? I know you guys don't really agree with this, and I also like to agree with you guys. Nasu Trash doesn't really require that much skill to play. Like, no doubt, you oh, you have to have a nice early game package. I reached the mid game, I reached the late game. Nasu's 20-20 hit the Nexus. Sure, guys, I get it. But Atrocity, you still haven't addressed the fact that Atrocity can just bypass everything you do during the first 8-9 turns, turns of the game, slap on Atrocity with Nasu Trash and win the game. That can be easily seen as the way Azure Draven interacts with Nasu Trash. You just need to whittle him down to a little bit of life, like 10 HP, 12 HP. You drop Nasus on turn 10, 6 mana, Nasus. Your opponent wants to react with something, you just throw Atrocity and the game just ends from there because in order for Azure Draven to deal with it, they have to actually deal a form of damage and then follow up by Scorched Earth, Ravenous Flock and all that. I get what I mean, it's the sort of thing which bypasses a lot of interactions between you and the other player. And slowly Shurima started to gain a foothold. Along the same time, another Shurima concept was introduced, which was Overwhelmed Shurima, a deck which I personally played a lot. In fact, when it comes to the Southeast Asia region, I might be the first few players who was running the deck. I believe that Overwhelmed Shurima is the strongest Shurima deck when it comes to a more mid-range control, well, mid-range kind of deck. I don't look at Nasu Trash as a mid-range deck, it's just a well-rounded deck. Yes, there's no other way I can call it. Overwhelmed Shurima possesses the ultimate tool, which is Ruin Runner. And slowly players started to realize that Ruin Runner is a pretty solid card. You think about it, 5 mana 6 4, that is pretty bonkers, by the way. And slap on the fact that there's overwhelmed damage. And the whole deck is just a bunch of beefy minions. It was the one deck which should counter Trundle Lissandra Control to a certain degree. And also the fact that it also has a great time against Nasu Trash, if the Nasu Trash players has no idea what he is doing. And so slowly Ruin Runner became the de facto Shurima mid-range minion which everyone included in the deck to have some form of mid-game dominance. You look at Silver, Silver uh, LeBlanc, the Reputation deck, you look at Nasus Trash, you look at TLC, you look at any other form of Shurima deck, and Ruin Runner is always the one minion which everyone includes. The original idea of Azir being the Champion's deck or the Emperor's deck was no longer relevant anymore at that point. Nobody wanted to run it. And that came up and there came upon a time where Azir Arena dominated because of Shapestone together with the fact that Token Attacks was on a whole new level. But that deck did not really showcase the strength of Shurima. That, that showed the strengths of Ionia. Some of the Ionia cards which a lot of players forgot about such as Retreat, 
such as Okay, I almost forgot what's the card called. So basically the token attack concept blade dance was another issue on its own. But then then that suffered a very big setback, which was the brand new patch 2.13. Yeah, the nerfs to it. Players thought that the deck would be dead. I was the first person to say that no person no 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 no. Azure Arena is still tier one or even tier zero. The deck is still the strongest deck. And I'm right, you look at the stats, it's still sitting at a 58% win rate or 57% win rate. I can say it's easily 60% win rate at this point. It is just the one deck which beats everything else in the meta. Because Nasu Trash is no longer tier 1, which means that Azure Arela can have a tear across every single deck that exists. No deck can fight the early game onslaught of the Blade Dance, Irelia, Azir kind of combo. And then slowly came about the Ionia buffs in the latest patch. And all of a sudden, we have the final form, I would say the perfect form of Ionia together with Shurima. Shurima being the latest region and Ionia being the best region in the game. And so what led to it? Silver got buffed, Twin Disciples got buffed, what's it called? The, the Witch, the 2 mana 1 1 became a 2 mana 1 2 and that was all it needed to be to boost this Ionia Shurima pairing to a whole new level. In fact, when you look across the board, the top 5 decks are using the same region combination. Maybe even top 4. The first one being Silver Z, the next one being Silver Akshan, the next one being Lee Akshan, the other one being. Uh, what's that deck called? Azir Arela. So I think 4 decks, no longer 5 decks. And all you have in the meta right now is Ionia plus Shurima, which, are the, which is the strongest combination. And the decks all use Twin Disciples, most of them use Ruin Runner, most of them even capitalize over the power of the new champion Akshan together with Silver's keyword spread. And the deck is just a whole solid package that no other deck can even compete with. Because the thing about the predict mechanic together with Akshan is that you can predict and draw one, which means that you get any card you want. A lot of deck runs draw, I know that, like Twister Fate, Aphelios, all that. But the thing is about predicting and drawing instead of drawing a bulk of cards is really different. The Targon package allows you to cycle and cycle and cycle. It gives you card advantage, but not necessarily gives you the card that you need to overturn the game state, bot state, whatever you want to call it. Shurima on the other hand allows you to predict and draw the card that you need to deal with a specific scenario or even find the combo pieces. There's never been a time in which Lee Sing could easily be tilted from the deck because Zoe Lee always had an issue of not being able to find Lee. If you don't mulligan it, you don't draw it by turn 6, turn 7, the game just stalemates with your sustained Targon. If you don't draw this thing, you just lose the game instantly. There is no question. But now with Akshan, they have the ability to, with the what, the, the Treasurer's Hot or something, the 0 mana spell allows you to predict and draw the card that you need. Most likely, the chances are you're drawing to listen, or you find a way to activate the Warlord's Horde and you're able to draw to reduce everything, and you get yourself a least in eventually. The amount of draw that the deck possesses is pretty crazy. But the main point of today's episode is that I just gave you guys a brief overview of the evolution of Shurima, together with Ionia's latest buff with the Twin Disciples and all that. And we have finally led to a 57% win rate across the board deck, which is almost as strong as Fioration. And I can say that Ionia is, right now, the best region in the game because of Twin Disciples, the access to Deny, Nopify, and of course, very powerful champion in the form of Lee Sin. So what's up with Silver and the insanely high win rate, right? 57% win rate across the board. For the Akshan version, it's 54% win rate. But let's just put these two decks into perspective. 
what makes this deck work so well? First thing that comes to mind is that a lot of the trading in this game is card games are meant to be a mid-range kind of concept where the ability to have quick attack really gives you an advantage. You look at the big three keywords when it comes to mid-range decks. First one is quick attack, second is barrier, and the final one is frostbite. So when you look at a card game, especially in literature and terror in general, what are the elements that you need to succeed in a mid-range format, which is today? The first one is you need quick attack. And silver Z or the silver decks contain quick attack in the form of silver, in the form of the the quick attack witch, the two mana one two. And then you have the ability to spread your kills as silver, which means that they really fulfill the first requirement, which is quick attack. Second is barrier. They run spirits refuge. And with quick attack, it means that it's either you run this or the other. And all of a sudden, you have the one deck which possesses 2 out of 3 winning keywords. And the final one, which is Frostbite. This deck doesn't run Frostbite, obviously, because it's Ionia and Shurima. But if it did possess it, then that's a, you know, that's just tier 0 at this point. The only deck which possesses Frostbite is the ability to pair it together with Feralot. And this is uh, Frostbite midrange, Himo Ezreal, and TLC in the past. Or maybe even Anivia control. And so when you look at it, to, to succeed in the mid-range format, you need a combination of two out of the three keywords. It would be better if all three, but I don't think there's in existence there's ever been a deck which possesses all three. And all of a sudden, you have Silver Z, Silver Akshan, with the ability to have quick attack together with barriers. And the final keyword which really puts it over the top is Overwhelm. Overwhelm is the one keyword in which very few champions exist, very few cards exist. They have it. First one was the very premier Darius. Overwhelm actually was a was a keyword that is limited to Noxious and Freelord, if I'm not mistaken. But then with the expansion and the creation of Shurima, Overwhelm was becoming commonplace. And not to mention, Shurima has to be the first region where getting keywords is easy, such as the payday into lucky wait, is it payday into uh the zero mana spell? The focus spell which allows you to get a keyword. And together with the keyword spread buff, the ability of Silver becoming 30, 30 to level up, 30 damage to level up, it means that the keyword spread is easily attainable. And all this keyword buffing, in fact, I remember the first version of it that which played Profiteer, which allows you to get a keyword or a special buff to your Silver or whoever. And all of a sudden you can put Silver with Overwhelm, and when Overwhelm is cast, it's almost instantly game over. So you just spread Overwhelm, Quick Attack Overwhelm plus Spell Shield together with whatever you need. And the thing about the Spell Shield is that it is a sort of mechanic where it prevents a lot of counterplay. It's not very interactable. In fact, Silver and Ruin Runner right, possesses the ultimate mechanics. Overwhelm Spell Shield and Quick Attack Spell Shield. The big reason why I say that Spell Shield, spell shield and Quick Attack, no, I mean Quick Attack and Barrier are the two quintessential elements of a mid-range deck because barrier allows you to trade efficiently and quick attack also allows you to trade efficiently. Frostbite as well. All three can be seen as a plus one mechanic. The sort of mechanic where you can just attack and you just give you a opposing board which means you have a plus one advantage. Especially in a mid-range meta where every single card matters because it's not a combo or control kind of matchup. And with, when you think about it right, if this deck possesses two out of three together with the mechanic of overwhelm and the insurance policy of spell shield, it means that this deck can be taken to a whole new level. Because 
when they were to inflict their damage, such as by click attack, such as by over- overwhelm, la la la, they have a policy of barrier through Space Refuge to save them, and they have Spell Shield to enable that no removal can get rid of their attack, which means double, double forms of removal is needed, which means it's a minus one, because one removal is needed to get rid of the Spell Shield, which, which matches the one-to-one state of the card with Spell Shield and the card that you need to get rid of Spell Shield. Any additional card, let's say maybe Wheel of Ironia, or sometimes you need more than two damage or three, like get excited, that kind of card, or something that can do four damage, which is very unlikely. As, as a quick spell or whatever you need to get rid of whatever your opponent has, which means that it's a minus one from your side to get rid of Rune Runner or, or Silver. And most likely, Rune Runner and Silver will have cleared something on the opposing board. And that is very commonplace. And paired together with the ability of Merciless Hunter, together with Ruin Runner, no, I mean Merciless Hunter by Ruin Runner, or Rock Hopper plus Silver or whatever you get, ability to quick attack with the with the Witch, the quick 2 mana to quick Witch. It means that your traits are super efficient and you'll easily overwhelm your opponent by damage and you'll fulfill the level up condition and your opponent have no counterplay. And this is the big reason why Silver, Silver decks are so powerful now. The buff to Silver together with the ability to get cheap traits Getting, getting a very huge advantage, and your opponent not being able to interact with Spell Shield really puts this deck to a whole new level. And I believe that nobody has really went deep dive into why this deck actually works. And the big reason why for this for this entire expansion, I've been playing mainly Silver decks is because I've seen the power of it last season with the Overwhelmed Shurima, and that really opened my eyes on the way how Silver can be played. I never knew about the keyword spread until today. When, yeah, I only thought of it as just spell shooting quick attack, but there are actually many ways of spreading keywords. There was actually a couple of players who were experimenting with it, and I would say I'm pretty fortunate to, to have caught on very early during the start of the season. And I would say that if you ask me whether Steven is enough, definitely not now. But I want to definitely go through one more thing which makes the Silver deck so powerful it is the double attack. The, what's it called? What's the card called? Uh. Wait, I really forgot what that card is called. Wait, give me a moment. Lah. Yeah, the ability to grant double attack, which is I think in the Fist of the Dragon or something like that. Yeah, it's just the one card which, uh, which is really mind-boggling. And so when you talk about the keyword spread, there's also another keyword which can be spread, which is the elusive one. The ghost, the one mana spell from Ionia. I never thought that ghost would ever see play. But then when you pair it together with Silver Z or Silver Action, you can just... Ghost, double attack, trigger, if Silver's really leveled up, it's probably game over. But there are a lot of nifty combos that you can do with this deck, which is not even interactable because of spell shield, and you have access to deny, nobify, you get what I mean. Twin Disciples to ensure it doesn't get destroyed. And all of a sudden, you have a deck which has a combo which can kill you as early as turn 5, turn 6, and you can't interact with it, because let's be honest, not many decks can interact with spell shield that well. And you got the formula for a perfect deck. A near perfect deck which has no counterplay. And that's the big reason why, that was the only reason why I believe that Silver needs to get hit, which is the double attack, elusive kind of thing. Because it can end the game as early as turn 5. Like I mentioned, Hymervite doesn't end the game by turn 5, you should think around turn 6, turn 7, turn 8. Deep ends the game at turn 8, Ezra Kaman is turn 10, Twister Fate of Philos just whittles you down and just closes out the game. But Silver Z has the ability to end the game as early as turn 5. And that's even faster than Azir Irelia. Unless Azir Irelia opens like what, double sparring students and Azir plus Irelia together with uh, Empress Dias and you having a bad hand. 
but that is like solitaire already. That's what you get what I mean. Ghost, double attack, spell shield. Sometimes in this, some cases you have overwhelm. And you just stay at the screen and you wonder what you've done wrong. But when I'm going to try to bring it down into perspective, there is two cards which really make this deck really powerful. And why I think that instead of nothing silver, instead of nothing like Ruin Runner, which I'll get into later, instead of nothing like various champions in the Ionia Shurima pool, instead of like hitting the champions, which I believe is a very big mistake, shouldn't even be allowed. The thing that Riot should be focusing on is this one card, which makes Shurima so powerful. Merciless Hunter. Merciless Hunter is just too good to be 3 mana 4 3. Fearsome ability to give something vulnerable. If that doesn't sound scary to you, I think there is something seriously wrong with you. I think Merciless Hunter is the strongest common card being printed into the game. By far. The stats is just insane. For 3 mana, you get everything you need out of a 3 mana Shurima card. And that's why I think that Merciless Hunter is just too good to even exist in the game. And the reason why Shurima mid-range decks are so good is because of Merciless Hunter. And there seems to be a dog barking and my window is open. Hopefully you guys can't really hear it. If you guys do hear it, I'll just try to edit it later, reduce the noise, and yeah, it probably won't get picked up by my microphone. And the other card which uh, really prefers this deck to a whole new level is the Ion is the thing which synchronizes with Ionia. It is not other than Twin Disciple. I think Twin Disciple, the buff to it is necessary for the deck, for the region to actually get a breath of fresh air again. Wheel of Ionia is just forgettable. It's a removal card which rarely sees play other than in Ezreal Karma and some form of DC index, which I'll get into later. Twin Disciples and Merciless Hunter might definitely need a new revision. Maybe Twin Disciples get a plus 2 plus 2 instead of plus 3 plus 3. And then as for Merciless Hunter, something definitely needs to be done. And so let's just segue into the next segment for today, which is none other than the Lee Sin part. And so another deck, which is Lee Sin, has finally seen a lot of play. There's now two versions of Lee Sin which is available in the meta. The first being Zoe Lee and the other being Akshan Lee. But for this episode, we are just going to briefly talk about Akshan Lee and we're going to touch, touch base on Lee Zoe as well. A little bit. Although everyone knows how Lee Zoe works and that's not really important for today. Main part is Akshan Lee. And so you look at Akshan Lee, what's the win rate? It's 49%. And that begs the question, does Lee see near enough? Okay, the win rate at 49%, right? It just goes to show that no matter how busted a deck is, if the player can't really find a way to optimize the play, to find the winning play with this deck, then it just remains a tier 3 deck in his hands. That's a big reason why I've never been an advocate for the nerf of Lee Sin. In fact, in the days of Lee Zoe, maybe in the days of Aphelios Lee, I've always said that the issue wasn't Lee Sin itself. The OTK should remain in the game, because achieving the ability to OTK is part of the reason why you're even playing the deck in the first place. In the last episode, I did mention that OTKs and FTKs should be legal, because that's the whole point of innovation in card games. If you were to release a way to win the game outside of dealing damage and somehow it gets nerfed, then what's the point of playing the card game, right? You need a way to find revolutions, to, to find a way to start different concepts in order for a card game to expand and grow. And so you have something in which the players can think about when days pass to play another card game, you know, maybe they quit and they reminisce about the days where such an absurd combo existed but was hard to pull off. That's a big reason why this scene doesn't need a nerf. I've had an episode in the past where I debated whether Lee Sin actually needs a nerf, but ultimately I came to the decision that Lee Sin doesn't need a nerf. This can be seen in Akshan Lee being a super busted version of Lee Zoe. It's a sort of card which doesn't require earlier turn setup of farming gems, doesn't need the ability to, you know, sustain the bot so that Lee Sin comes out of 5, you have a way to kill your opponent by turn 7. 
Maybe you open the busted hand and you just win the game from there, but that is very unlikely. Akshan Lee, on the other hand, have the Absorval, giving Overwhelm plus 4 damage together with uh, Shapestone, which means that it's 18 damage. Wait, not even 18. Wait, what am I talking about? 22 damage on turn 7, turn 6. How busted is that? Although you do have to factor in that maybe your opponent has a bit of Ionia and just cancel out your combo. But there's many things you can do with the with the her- with the with the warlord's horde. You can give the spell shield. You can do a lot of funny things. You can instantly ensure the opponent doesn't have any counterplay to whatever you're trying to achieve. And so that's the thing. No, with so many tools available, why is Akshan Lee still sitting at forty nine percent win rate? So let me just break it down to you. Why is still sitting at a forty nine percent win rate? According to Mobilitics, by the way. Personally, I hit master this season with Akshan Lee, and I can tell you that as a deck, it is fundamentally more punishing to play than Lee Zoe. Reason being is because Lee Zoe enables you to sustain the game with the moon weapons with Targon Package, Guiding Touch, Pure Cascade, Tons of Draws, the ability to never run out of cards, with cards such as Twin Disciple to buff up your, your what's that card called? Uh? Tasty Fae Folk, many many Dragonlings spawned by Eye of the Dragon. The moon weapons, the cycling of it enables you to select the kind of weapon that you need for the certain scenario. The only big problem is that you might not even draw this in anyways. And so when you look at Akshandi, why what makes it so good is because of the predict and draw, which I covered at the start of this episode. And the many draw functions the deck has. It's the cycling with Akshan, the ability to quickly level up Akshan, gaining a power to absorbal. Don't even need gems to fill up your hand, you just need one card to buff everything, two cards to buff everything, shapestone with the absorbal. And that's a pretty crazy deck, don't you think so? But why is this sitting at 49% win rate? Because it's easy to mess up the combo, especially Akshan Lee. Zoe Lee on the other hand allows you to just wither down the game. You don't win by one turn, you make a misplay, sure, never mind, we just drag it out later and we eventually win the game because of the various elusive mechanics, the Zoe keyword spread if it levels up. And that's the thing, Lee is not overpowered. As a champion, I think Lee Sin is just fine. Maybe the OTK mechanic is a little bit powerful, but the thing is that to achieve the OTK, it means you have a good hand or you're just a damn good player. And with the win rate sitting at 49% win rate, I can tell you that majority of the players have not found a way to optimize this deck properly. And that's the best part. It is the second most played deck with the first being Viego. And that's the funny thing. If the deck has such a high win uh, play rate and a very low win rate, it goes to show tell you one thing. This deck is not overpowered. You compare it with Silver Z, which is sitting at 57% win rate, which is probably the third most played deck. It goes to show you one thing. Silver Z is easy to play, easy to execute, and easy to win with. Whereas Akshan Lee is played by a lot of players, but it's incredibly hard to win with because of his ability for you to mess up, not having the right pieces, not even doing the right damage, amount of damage by the turn that you're required to close the game by, which is turn 7, turn 8. And let's be honest, Akshan Lee allows you the ability to draw whatever you need, which you can draw, which means that every single card in your hand is always very, very important. It's to the fact that every single card is usable, unlike in Lee Zoe where some cards are not even needed at a certain point of the game. And deep meditation really adds in a whole new level of drawing the spells you need, predict draws, whatever you don't, whatever you're unable to draw, deep meditation draws you the spell that you need. And that's the big power of Akshan Lee. And here's the thing about big comparison of Lee Zoe and Akshan Lee. It is that the Targon package allows you to have a lot of sustain, alternate win con by the keyword spread. And for Shrima package, the Akshan Lee package, easier draws with Warlord's Palace and Warlord's Hot, and it's more burstier, which means that it can just burst your opponent from like 20 to 0 within a turn. And if you ask me whether I would want to nerf Lee Sin again, I can tell you that 
No way. I don't think Lissin is enough, especially with the win rate as it is. I've always been finding a way to tell people that Lissin isn't that much of a problem. It is the environment which Lissin thrives in which is the problem. And Akshan Lee is definitely not a problem right now because look at the win rate, it's pretty abysmal, right? But whereas Akshan with Siva, since both of them have the common denominator of Akshan, what is the one thing that separates both of them? One is Siva, the other is Lissin. And so when we think about this in the matter of elimination, it means that Siva needs a nerve, right? And so later I'll just briefly cover what I'll actually do to Sivir. But the problem is that if we nerf Sivir too early, then what's the point of buffing it then quickly nerfing it? Maybe the keyword spread is a problem because the very first version of keyword spread is seen in none other than our trusty Zoe, which happened to be the one champion which evaded a lot of bans, evaded a lot of like nerfs, eventually becoming a mainstay in the meta, a lot of players finding ways to add it into every single deck combination. And that's very true because when you look at Zoe, right? Zoe Lee, Zoe Aso, of also Zoe Draven, Zoe whatever, Zoe Aphilios, Zoe Diana. Zoe is like the ultimate value engine, but people don't seem, people always find a reason to just play it. But they don't understand the big reason why Zoe is played. It's a value engine generator. But the win con, the 10 different cards, it being on the field, enables it to have the first version of keyword spread which is Zoe's level up condition, level up ability to spread keywords on every single card that is played. And that was when people actually saw, wow, the keyword spread is incredibly powerful. And slowly, 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 it became the nightmare which a lot of players tried to evade by destroying Zoe as soon as possible. And now today with Sivir, with the spell shield, with the quick attack, 4 mana, Shurima card, Shurima champion, together with the package, Ruin Runner, Shapestone, Perseverium, it's a walking nightmare for mid-range decks, together with the buff to it. And so, I'll talk about the nerf which I'll make to it later. And so let's talk about the third part of today's episode, which is Viego. I've always been a big advocate, or not advocate, I'll say I'm a big uh, critic of Viego as well. I always think that as a champion, it's pretty crappy. But after playing this deck for two days, I can tell you that in by no way Viego is crappy. I think it's pretty strong, man. As a as a champion concept, as a card, it is the sort of card which requires you to actually like play it over time, and you get to see how this deck actually functions. I can tell you that five mana five four is bad, but the thing is that people are forgetting that you have so many ways of ensuring that Viego drops as a ten nine, as a nine eight, as a eight seven, which is usually misses the discussion points. Because as early as turn 5 when you drop Viego, it can be a 6-5 with Kama, Voran, Soldier. And not to mention Invasive Hydrovine allows you to have a never-ending fleet of encroaching shadows and a super huge Viego. And one thing that a lot of players are not mentioning is that when Viego reaches turn 7, turn 8 uh, boundaries, sometimes you don't even need to drop Viego on turn 5. You make it buff to the point where your encroaching shadows are like 7, 7, 8, 8. You drop Viego, the thing dies. It's like one third of its level up. And encroaching shadows, man. It is the brand new Jades, man. Jade Golems, man. If you guys play Hearthstone, right, you, you'll definitely remember the days where the, the Jade mechanic, together with the Jade Druid, really tore through the entire Hearthstone meta. And now with encroaching shadows, together with Invasive Hydrovine, together with Viego, it really reminds me of the Jade... Jade Druid kind of meta, man. 
It's crazy that Viego can stack so many stuff. And the late game insurance policy of the encroaching shadows destroying everything is so huge. And just based on my testing of Viego, I can just tell you that Viego is the ultimate late game champion now. Nothing really stacks up. Maybe Karma can match up with Viego. Even Aso can't really match up with Viego at all. That's the crazy part. Viego is just untouchable when it comes to the late game now. It comes out as early as turn 5, which is half the time needed to drop Aso. And that is scary bothersome to me. That, that is just... Shouldn't even be legal at all. I think Viego is going to be an incredibly big problem moving forward. Probably in the next expansion, maybe the next, next expansion as well. It just looks too strong to even exist in the game. The level up is hard to accomplish, but if you think about it in the points I mentioned, you're most likely only going to level it up through towards the later part of the game when your encroaching shadows are huge. But then again, if Viego is dropped on turn 5, your opponent has no way of dealing with it, you know, then they just lose the game. It's as simple as that. And the first way that Viego is played is the Viego Nasus. I think this is the evolution of it from Trash Nasus, because a lot of players start to realise that having Nasus together with Viego as a late game kind of powerhouse deck, it makes you run a mid-range engine with the ability to close out the game with two champions, and that's about it. Atrocity is still the main win call of this deck, and that's the big reason why I think that Viego Nasus, the reason why it's the most played is because it's easy to play, and the late game is, yeah, the best insurance policy. Nasus is huge, Viego is huge. You have two different ways of winning a game, by the spell shoe Nasus or the leveled up Viego. And that's why I think that Nasus Viego is definitely going to be the, bang, the best deck in the format currently. Next one is Viego Ionia, my personal favorite. I think that Viego Ionia is extremely, extremely over, over, overlooked. But slowly, a lot of players are starting to adapt playing this deck because the big power of Viego Ionia is access to D9 and Twin Disciples. I think this is two incredibly huge cards which make a lot of Ionia concepts work. Twin Disciples ensures that Viego doesn't get overrun that quickly, and D9 ensures that Viego doesn't leave the board that quickly as well. And the thing about Viego is that it's a sort of champion where the longer it's on the field, right, the higher the chance you're going to win the game. It's like Aso, it's just left on check, it just wins the game. Same as Zoe as well. And so it definitely lies in the, in the territory of a champion where it just represents the game itself, which is... Basically, the way that Runeterra should be, which is a champion representing the entire deck and how it functions. But the thing is that, I still think that Viego is incredibly gimmicky. It maybe requires maybe a patch or two to make it work. But as of now, my prediction is that Viego is going to be the champion which uh, players are going to pivot to during the August seasonal tournament. And maybe after that, even still, because when you think about it, Viego is a very high skill cap champion. Not everybody can just pilot this and expect to do well with it. The level up is just game ending. And the encroaching shadows is one part which a lot of players are just overlooking. I think encroaching shadows is going to be the sleeper sleeper it's gonna be sleeper OP. People are overlooking it. That's my final verdict. I think encroaching shadows is just too powerful. Definitely definitely needs to be a nerf sometime down the road. Because as the way I see it, a lot of players are not catching on to the power of Viego and the encroaching shadows. It's not so much of Viego being a problem, it is the access to encroaching shadows which makes the deck so powerful. And let's just talk about the final part of today's episode. What cards need to be balanced? What does a perfect patch look to me? Look to awesome hazelnuts. I can tell you that the first thing it needs to go is Merciless Hunter. I think 3 mana 4-3 is just too powerful. The nerf that I can see to it is turning it to a 3 mana 3-2. Three, 
that's really very generous because it still has the same effect and fearsome. And you, might, you guys might think it's an over nerf, but it's incredibly fair. I think 4 3 is just too strong to be left available in the pool, especially with other 3 drops which are half the capacity of Merciless Hunter. Second one is Make It Rain. I think Make It Rain needs to be back to 3 mana. 2 mana is just too forgiving. Players will start to flame me, but Make It Rain needs to be a 3 mana for a very specific reason. It is that 2 mana deal 3. To three different units is just too good. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, there's some kids screaming at the playground right now. Maybe I should just close the window. Hold on, let me give me a moment. I think that's fine. Yeah. Okay, making rain is huge because it deals with three units: your nexus and two minions. And sometimes you there's a lot of one drops in the game which cost one life. Two drops that cost one life. The making rain is just a two mana deal destroy three, which is the plus two advantage already. And that's why Make It Rain needs to get nerfed. 3 mana is really rare fair. Maybe when you nerf the 3, nobody wants to play it again. But the whole point is that Make It Rain shouldn't even be legal in the first place, together with the buffs with kegs, spell damage, manipulation. It's definitely a nerf in the right direction. I never understood why it's back to 2. And the third card, Nopify, I think this card needs to be 3 mana. 2 mana is just too fair. Fourth card, Shapestone. Shapestone is just... Let me just think of a better word for it. I just think it's too busted to be left at 1 mana. It being at 2 mana should be a little bit more fair, but it will hurt the mana curve of a lot of decks. Maybe just 1 mana plus 2 plus 1 is enough, because plus 3 plus 1 is just crazy. That's like 1 6 of the nexus, and you buff it to something, it's like 1 quarter or 1 third of the entire nexus that your opponent has. Fifth card, Rite of Calling, I think 0 mana is just too powerful. What I'll do is that I'll make it 1 mana. And I'll even remove the option of destroying a mana gem. Because destroying a mana gem to draw one specific card is just too powerful. Imagine you're running a mono champion deck, like a mono Viego, and you know you're guaranteed to draw a Viego from it. And so the option of just reducing a mana gem just to draw a Viego is just too powerful. It should be destroy one unit you control. And that is my verdict for Riot of Calling. Let me know what you think about this. I think this is very controversial. A lot of players want to flame me for it. 6-1 Ruin Runner. I think 5 mana 6 4 is too efficient, like Merciless Hunter at 3 mana 4 3. What I'll do is that I'll make Ruin Runner a 5 mana 5 4, or I'll change it to a 6 mana 6 4. Because nothing anything less than that attack makes it not compatible with Reputation, which is the whole point of Shurima. So either reduce its attack or change its mana cost. I'm more favoring of changing it to a 5 mana 5 4, because making it 6 mana really hurts the entire deck and makes it just bad. Because we all know how powerful it is. Or how destructive it can be to just reduce the cost of a card by one, not increasing the cost by one. Decreasing attack by one is more fair. And I believe that this is the kind of thing which in introduces more breathing room for players who are not running Shurima or the overpowered shape Stone Mercedes Hunter and Drain Runner Trio of Chaos kind of combination. And the final one is Silver. This is an incredibly hard card to nerf. 4 mana 5 3 just seems fine to me. But if you really, 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 really want to nerf, what I can say is that 5 mana 5 3 with Ruin mana at a 6 mana 6 4. Anything more than that is just killing the entire deck overall. In fact, other than the 5 mana 5 4, 5 mana 5 3, another nerf I can think to Silver is just make it a 5 mana 5 2 with the same effects. Big reason is because I want it to be susceptible to Brittle Steel when, even though it levels up. So let me know what you guys think. I think this today's episode is mainly about me talking about why Silver decks work so well. It's mainly because of the keyword spread and the variety of the Ionia cards such as Twin Disciples and all that good stuff 
which makes it really really very powerful the double attack ghost supportive cards really make it whole new level man whole new level and that's all I have for today guys do let me know what you guys think you can reach me out with all my social media links in the description box below and that's all I have for today and that's game